Hi, I'm Scott Matula, and uh, I'm an art teacher, and you know, when I'm not having kids paint macaroni, <laughs> I'm <laughs> listening to Set Lusting Bruce. <laughs> And welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. And joining me today, I'm a little nervous because I have quote unquote real podcasters joining me. <laughs> um, I have Brian and Bill from the Great Albums podcast. I keep wanting to call it the Great Album, but I guess that would be just a one and done podcast, correct? <laughs> We, we we only talk about Born to Run, and that's it. <laughs> the Great Album Podcast. <laughs> yeah. How many different ways can we talk about it? Why don't you introduce yourselves? Uh, we'll start with Bill. Sure. Uh, I'm Bill. I'm one of the hosts of the Great Album Pod. <laughs> yeah, I almost said it. The Great Albums Podcast. Um, I guess, uh, do, do you want to know, like my backstory or anything about me or what it, what it is that I, you know, what I, what I usually tell people is think of this as your elevator pitch. Like, hi, I'm Jesse Jackson. I live in Dallas, Texas. I'm married, got a 27 year old son and I podcast way too much. Uh, okay. So, uh, I'm Bill. I live in New Jersey, have a podcast. Uh, I, I do podcast too much. I spend way too much time working on it, but I love it. And, uh, each week we talk about a different uh, album of music and what makes it great and we have a conversation like fans do it's not meant to be like a documentary series it's meant to be fan appreciation and so yeah i i, I get together with brian every week and talk about it and it's a lot of fun and uh, i'm married as well no kids a uh, couple of pets oh nice what kind of pets uh, i have a basset hound named murray and a mean coon cat named bam 
Nice. Uh, we had a beagle for many, many years. Mm. So uh, that's that's awesome. All right, Brian, how about yourself? Uh, I am Brian Erickson, and I also live in New Jersey. Um, I am the co-host of the Great Albums podcast, uh, among several other things that keep me busy. I, I spend a lot of time spending a lot of time. Yes. You know, and I am... Tell them about your music, Brian. Uh, there's a lot of it out there. Um, I am in a band called the Paper Jets, and I play solo quite a bit. And um, I also play in a uh, – the Paper Jets are like a rock band. I also play in a punk band called Finding Phoebus. I'm their bass player. But uh, that's 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 about all you need to know. You know, Bill, Bill gave you the pitch for the podcast, which is why we're here. Um, yeah, um, I, I'm – and we're going to just listeners so you know we're going to kind of talk a little Bruce and um do my normal uh, music origin story with them and then we're going to talk a little about the podcast so I'm excited about it cool yeah um so and you both are musicians yes. correct I, I am a frustrated um high school um, chorus member. Um, and, and, and I, I sang a lot at church when I grew up. Uh, so yeah, so I, I have a little, uh, just enough like to sing along in the car. Um, that's all you but, need. Yeah, exactly. Hey, I always like to start with, because I find this interesting. Talk to me about growing up and, uh, we'll start with Brian this time. What kind of music did your family listen to? Did you grow up, <laughs> you know, in a very, rock and roll family or like I tell the joke all the time you know I grew up in Louisiana my dad was in the army we moved around a lot and we listened to both kinds of music country and western uh, yeah <laughs> so yeah thanks shout out to the blues brothers so Brian we'll start with you how about your musical origin story well, I, it's funny you mentioned this because I actually just um <laughs> I I, uh, I I have a column uh for a local like a culture blog and um I was just commissioned to write about like 10 favorite albums. So I just kind of went through like albums that uh, I sort of grew up listening to, not just like straight favorites. Um, so there was a lot of, you know, and as I'm kind of reflecting on this, I was thinking about what my parents would listen to. And it wasn't, you know, we were not like an artistic family. It was just, you know, my mom was an accountant. My dad was a businessman. Uh, you know, he was more Jagger than Dylan, uh, in, in his music taste. So it was, um, you know, just kind of your standard, like oldies and rock and roll and stuff. And every once in a while you get like Carol King or Barbara Streisand, uh, you know, or the Carpenters kind of slipped in there when, you know, my mom got a chance at the, at the record player, but you know, Rolling Stones, uh, Jimmy Buffett, the Eagles, you know, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I kind of came to music as a, as a fan a little bit later, although I've come to appreciate all that stuff now, like my parents' music too. Uh, Brian, were you, uh, siblings? Yeah, I, you I have, have siblings? a younger sister. She's five years younger than me. All right, so are you? And she was like a big, the in like in the into the like the punk and emo scene because uh, okay. you know, growing up on Long Island, like that's where a lot of that stuff came from. You know, brand new and Taking Back Sunday and uh, like the uh, Glass Jaw and stuff. Uh, 
you know, we have a theme here that it, I, a lot of people that join me, you know, are, some of them are the older siblings, some are the younger sibling. And it's always interesting, you know, were you influenced by your older siblings or, you know, did you rebel And the same thing? Like, you know, you as the older sibling, you're kind of there as the influence. And so it's a little interesting that, you know, she went such a, um, a cool, you know, very, um, you know, kick arse kind of way. Um, yeah, I, I had a friend in high school who like, uh, who turned me on to jazz music a little bit. And, you know, I spent a lot of time with my grandmother uh, who also kind of had a hand in that as well. So that was, that was the music that I was listening to like actively um, or, you know, that was the music I was most listening to actively. Um, so my mm-hmm. sister wasn't really into that. Bill, your turn. Uh, yeah. So my parents, uh, they were both very like radio listeners. Uh, they weren't really kind of the collectors or anything like that. And my dad was kind of a rock guy from New Jersey. So, you know, he liked whatever rock music was on the radio in the, and, and when I'm growing up, we're talking about like, uh, late eighties into the mid nineties. So we're talking about like ACDC, a little bit of the Rolling Stones, uh, Aerosmith. Those are the bands that I remember him kind of being aware of. Uh, and then my mom was also a very radio listener. So it, it was just kind of like whatever, like what kind of became like these kind of uh, adult contemporary soft rock stations, like a few years later where they're playing like Phil Collins and, uh, and uh, Annie Lennox and things like that. Um, That's what she would listen to, but neither one of them really like owned anything. Uh, And so the way that I got into music was kind of, on, in my middle school years, I kind of found it myself because uh, I also had a stepfather um, who he listened to like big band and swing and uh, and Sinatra, which I've come to appreciate later in life. And uh, uh, but when I was when I was younger, I was like, that's not cool. You want to know it's cool. Alternative music and MTV. Um, so then I just kind of found my way to that kind of stuff. Uh, in my, in my middle school years. And, uh, and I do have an older sister who started off kind of liking cool music in her middle school years. She was two years older than me. So when I was like 11 or so, she was, she was listening to kind of the alternative stuff, uh, Green Day and Nirvana and stuff like that. Cause we're talking like mid nineties. But then by the time that she hit high school um, in New Jersey, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, there is a large contingent of country listeners. And I mean like modern country pop listeners. Oh, really? Yes. Um, You wouldn't think so because it's New Jersey, right? But uh, it it is very much a, uh, there is a very large uh, piece of that, especially in the late 90s. Um, We had something like, four or five country stations on like just in the one region, which is nuts uh, considering, you know, that we're New Jersey. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But uh, you would think that it'd be, you know, nothing but Springsteen and, uh, and Bon Jovi all the time, but right. um, 
and, and you know, it's like we're a very cultured place with a lot of cool stuff coming from here, but there's also a contingent of just country listeners. So my sister fell into that and I was kind of on my own to discover music. Uh, and so, it, you know, I, I just kind of started nerding out about music over the years and developing my taste until I got to the point that I was a little bit of more like, Oh, you know, it's like I'm getting into the Indian alternative and, uh, and that kind of stuff. And of course, Springsteen has, has been around. Um, this is the unasked question I'm sure, but, um, when did Springsteen come into my life? I, yeah, I, that's, I, coming. I, that's coming. That's uh, coming. I, I, I lived in New Jersey. So, yeah, you know, I, basically yeah. I was born listening to Springsteen. Like, I don't remember the first time I heard Springsteen. He's probably one of the first rock artists that I was aware of. Uh, and and it just always was kind of around. I, I can imagine. Um, roughly years you guys went to high school. Uh, I, oh, go oh, ahead, Brian. Um, like 98 to 2001. Or, you know, 97, 98 to 2000, 2001, if we're talking in school year terms. Yeah, I just was trying to get the era. Yeah, and, and I graduated in 2002. So this was, these, were, okay. these were some pretty lean years. This was like Secret Garden era. Yeah. Bruce. Like, this was, well, these were some lean years for, uh, for the boss. Yes. Um, you know, um, on on a side note, I, I want to have I want to do an episode um and get a couple of um longtime Springsteen fans and talk about that dark time period. Mm. You know, after he after he fired the E Street band or dismissed them, you know, and he went off and did this creative thing and then, you know, did Human Touch and Lucky Town and just there was years where you didn't really hear anything from him. Um, I, I just think it would be interesting because there was no social media back then. Um, you know, and how, you know, what was the thoughts? Did you feel, you know, I just think that would be an interesting discussion. Did they think, you know, he was never going to come back? You know, is it kind of a one and done career? He was, you know, he was really sharp and good, but now then moved on. So, um, I'm going to try to make that happen. I, I know um, that I kind of viewed him as a bit of a legacy artist around those years and not like, you know, uh, not like, oh, he's over. He's so passe, more like he's already elevated himself and he doesn't need to do anything else. Right. So then by the time that I started really kind of learning who he was more than just the, you know, the born in the USA guy, you know, right. more than that, I, it was kind of the end of my high school career. And uh, career. Yeah, I was a career high school student, um, but the end of my years in high school. Right. When I started to kind of discover him more as uh, as a real artist that was still active, because that's right around when The Rising came out. And that's uh, like the year two. Like, when did he reunite with the E Street Band and he did that live show? The live album at a uh, Madison Square Garden, right? Yeah, like ninety eight, ninety nine. So same that was the Rising. Yeah, Rising came out in two thousand two, mm-hmm. and so yeah, um, you know, and I, I also think it would be, and I'm going to sound like the old man in the uh, conversation. I graduated high school in nineteen seventy seven, uh, so you know, I, I am older than dirt. Um, you know, 
it that's your dad's rock and roll. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Penn and Teller and Penn Gillette does a podcast and he talks about that he is almost angered when he sees a young person talking about loving classic rock because he says, you know, the whole purpose of rock and roll is to play music your parents can't stand, mm. you know, and, and um, so I can understand that while you may not actively dislike you know, Springsteen's music or Prince or, you know, Michael Jackson or Madonna, you know, these icons of the eighties, but it is this kind of, it is, um, you know, it's a different era and and you're looking for your own era. That's true. But when I was in high school, I was listening to like metal and punk, which was not my mom's music. (laughs) It was more about like evolving into an appreciation of music like Bruce. And my mom, you know, she's like I said, she's not a big fan of like she doesn't own albums and albums of stuff. She maybe owns a few CDs, you know, if I'm lucky. Yeah, um, but I, she never really owned anything when I was a kid. We had some records, some old re- like big band records and stuff. So it's not like my mom knew who Bruce was and she liked his music and she could probably sing along to you know the hit singles. But she she wasn't a fan of it the way that you know when you say you're a fan of something, she right. wasn't that. And my stepdad definitely wasn't because he was a bit older. Like I said, big band swing, you know, Sinatra. Right. Um, and, and my dad by that point was out of the picture. So, um, so it was kind of like, yeah, I was still rebelling almost, but you know, it was then my, my maturation was kind of discovering Bruce. Cause I didn't even really get into Bruce until after college, I would say when I started buying albums, you know, um, and I want to hear what you think too, Brian. Um, I had a similar experience, um, you know, growing up, I was in AM radio kid, you know, top 40. Um, my first eight track I ever bought was an Elton John's greatest hits. You know, we, we, you know, a lot of queen and foreigner and sticks and, um, went through a phase where I adored kiss and, uh, never did the makeup, but boy, you knew if you heard rock and roll all night on the radio, the night of a school dance, man, it was going to be a great night. And Our I picked up, yeah. So I picked up a Beach Boys Endless Summer 8 track that was the, you know, in the 70s, one of their uh, collections and kind of fell in love with this. And and it just spoke to me. And so all of a sudden there's this, you know, 10, 15 years worth of albums, you know, I'm going to find just, you know, in the record stores trying to find, you know, albums or cassettes or eight tracks just digging for this um when you guys found bruce did was it a casual thing or did you go you know this this guy let me go back to his back catalog and brian i'll start with you um and by the way there's no there is no right answer i um i appreciate that i um I probably dis- I probably really <clears throat> started getting into Bruce via um, the New York City band, The Hold Steady. Uh, their album Boys and Girls in America <clears throat> that came out in 2006, which I'm sure Bill may even have like a somewhat similar story. 
because uh, it was an album that the both of us really, really like bonded hard over. <laughs> and Jesse, before your listeners uh, write into you going like, how could he say such a thing? New York City via Minneapolis. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Okay, no problem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Well, you know, we have a music podcast, so we know when we, if we say something, you know, just kind of like true, but not the full story, people, people People uh, tend to make sure that we are corrected. (laughs) Well, um, yes, that is um, my, my Springsteen brothers in podcast, uh, JB and Rob do a Bruce Springsteen sings the alphabet, which despite the name isn't Bruce Springsteen just doing the ABC song, um, they are going through every Bruce Springsteen song in alphabetical order talking about it. And they always make the joke basic facts because they just, they, you know, we, we get it wrong. And yes, people are very quick to share like, hey, and you're like, okay. Um, that is one of the reasons why I always have the editing button ready in case, you know, one of us say, Oh yeah. And when Steven Van Zant was on the cover of born to run, you're like, what? So anyway, <laughs> continue, Brian. Sorry. No, that's okay. <clears throat> um, so, you know, listening to this album by the hold steady and, you know, reading the glowing reviews and stuff, it was um, a lot of the reviews echoed or, or uh, invoked, early Bruce Springsteen and, you know, with like the big rock and roll piano and things like that. And, um, that's kind of when I found it like around Oh six, I didn't really like Bruce growing up, like, because, you know, I like growing up on long Island, like he was not the big omnipresent, uh, guy that he is in New Jersey. Uh, we have Billy Joel for that, uh, for those purposes. (laughs) You darn right. You um, do. Only the good die young. So, <laughs> but we. <laughs> no, that's no, okay. So we had. Um, so Bruce was just like another, I guess to use Bill's term, like another legacy artist, like a guy that was just kind of on the radio once in a while, you know, like a Tom Petty or a, you know, a Beach Boys or or you know whoever, just another band or guy on the radio. Um, <clears throat> but after getting into the hold steady. I have, um, you know, I, I went back and I got the Wild, the Innocent, the E Street Shuffle. That was the first one uh, that I got, like that I bought. And, uh, okay, you know, just kind of, you know, I, I sort of liked his, you know, rapid fire delivery. And I liked the loot, like the tight, either the tight looseness or the loose tightness of the band. Um, and I really like the, uh, like the, the, the old drummer, Vinnie Lopez, uh, cause the, the songs were a little more swingy and stuff like that. And I, I don't know, I, I just, I'm like, well, everybody knows born in the USA and every, you know, everybody knows born to run. So let me try and find something. I mean, that album has Rosalita on it. So it, you know, it has a song people know, but it's just like top to bottom. It's not, um, you know, one of his sort of ubiquitous records. It's not one of his bigger records. So that, that was kind of my first real active Bruce experience. Um, and then, you know, and, and that's, that's kind of where it, that's, that's where it got started for me. Was, um, 
for both of you as you started listening. Um, and once again, just to kind of give you a um, little background, um, I went through um, this fall and I hope to do some more is I found a couple of people that did not know Bruce music at all, um, specifically other podcasters. And, you know, they like, I know the born in the USA stuff, you know, maybe born to run, you know, uh, maybe thunder road. And so I came up with 10 songs from his different career of, and, and we, in advance, I said, okay, here's the songs. We're going to discuss them. And the idea is, I don't care if you like them. I don't care if you hate them. The idea is just talk about it because there's nothing worse than a podcast than someone going, yeah, it was okay. No, 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 <laughs> please, please. And, and so, uh, we've had some people that went, you know, it was fun, Jesse, but he just isn't, um, you know, use the cliche, my cup of tea and others have said, I'm, I was really impressed with this. I, this is not, um, the songs I expected of him. So, um, so I asked that to give you guys cover, even though I guess you're both living in Jersey, you know, they take away your membership card if you don't like him. But, um, as you started doing is it, did he hit a chord with you or was just, just a guy for me? Um, I mean, he's more than just a guy, but I mean, I, there are people who are just positively obsessed and I am not one of those. I can definitely like, if I, I don't know if I never, I don't want to go with an extreme and say, well, if I never heard Bruce's music ever again, um, but if it was a while, I don't like, I don't think, I don't think any time in the past, like at least five years, maybe like eight years that I've just kind of woken up and said, you know what? I'm really going to put some Bruce on today. Um, yeah. And and maybe that's more a symptom of, you know, like the stuff that I'd want to listen to. I kind of know it's almost like um, I, I, I heard some saying like the Beatles are the best band I never listened to. It's, it's like if I want to listen to Darkness on the Edge of Town, like, you know, if I want to listen to like Candy's Room, I can just kind of, you know. I can just sort of spin it in my brain, um, yeah, and 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 you know save my actual time for for something else. It's just because he's so omnipresent. Yeah, I really like that because for me, it was definitely uh, growing up in New Jersey. Before I even really got into Bruce, I still knew like twenty or thirty songs. You know, right. like it, it was not. It wasn't like, oh, you know, I knew like just dancing in the dark, you know, the the biggest hit or whatever. I knew a that lot song of stuff. Is wonderful, it's just, by the way. It is. Uh, but the, like I knew a ton of other stuff too. So it never felt like an imperative to get into his stuff. Uh, but once I started down the rabbit hole, and I'm still kind of traveling down it, you know, it's I don't like binging artists okay uh, i like 
kind of coming to albums in my own time because then they become more important to me. Uh, I I know like a lot of people, especially in like the Spotify age, they can be like, oh, I want to start listening to Bruce. And they just spend a weekend just running through every single album. And they're like, I know everything about him now. I prefer to kind of go, no, you want to know what? Like I'm going to hold off on listening to this album until I find the right mood and energy for it. And then I'll give it a spin for a few weeks. You know what I mean? So yeah, I do that. That's kind of cool. And it used to be more about like, Oh, let me walk through a record store and see what I see and what speaks to me. I'll grab that and that, and I'll buy like three or four albums and that'll be my listening playlist for the next four to six weeks until the next time I go back to the record store. Um, but nowadays it's, it's a little more roundabout than that because it's so accessible. Right. Um, but with Bruce, it was definitely something that I started, uh, I started with born to run, um, and, and just kind of built from there, um, especially his early career. And I'm kind of into the 80s. You know, we covered Born in the USA on our podcast last year. So that really kind of helped bridge that hump. Um, I, I haven't quite gone through the 2000s. Uh, uh, Born to Run became like a really important album for me and an important song in particular uh, because it, it was something that um, I... I I've kind of bounced around from a lot of bands, including Brian's band at one point and, (laughs) um, and played a lot of songs and played with a bunch of people. And I kind of found this group of guys a few years ago, um, that we started playing with and, and it just kind of all clicked and born to run was a song that we, we covered and it kind of became like this, like, uh, this thing for us that was it was kind of like our song together, if that makes sense. It does, uh, and and we we played it. And I have to tell you, one of the greatest moments we ever had was when we nailed the chromatic walk down at the at the end of the at the end of the bridge, um, where it just goes and. When we nailed that, finally, we, you know, the timing of it is so weird and it's just every single note possible. And you're just like, what, what are we doing here? And then when you finally work it out and all four members of the band, like hit it at the same time, it was one of the best moments in our lives. We were like, (laughs) that was amazing. (laughs) I am. and then you come back in with the one, two, three. Yeah. It's it's awesome. I got to, uh, <laughs> you know, I got to, I got to, go I got ahead, to do that once with Small Planet Radio. Oh at yes, the, that's at true. The rail. You did. I I got to learn. I learned to play Born to Run and and sat in with uh, with their band for a show on the uh, on the bass. It was great. If there's a YouTube video of you guys covering it, you have to send me the link. I would I love to see it. Okay, well, that's we the it somewhere. Yeah, it's out. Okay, um, okay. So uh, one of the things I talk about is um, one of my other um, obsessions slash passions is I've been a lifetime comic book reader and love science fiction and and um, you know I'm. I'm Superman over Batman, DC over Marvel. Uh, I know, I know. I, it's it's my age. Um, but, you know, there is a common that 
every comic book is someone's first comic book. Mm-hmm. And That's so, a Stanleyism. yeah, and so you have to read, and you have to to write that so that it's inclusive. And um, I have a good friend who says, you know, why does Bruce play Born to Run every show? You know, like we've heard it enough, mm-hmm. leave it aside, and we could get something else obscure. And I said, because somebody has never been to a Bruce Springsteen show before, and mm-hmm. they're going to walk away unhappy. It's like going to the Messiah and not hearing the Hallelujah Chorus, right? It's like, hey, wait a minute. What happened? Um, at least that's my opinion. Y'all's thoughts? I agree. Yeah, you know, play the hits. It's fine. Yeah. yeah, and I always think it should be a balance of both. You know, when absolutely. I go to see a band, I want to see the songs that I'm that I'm there to see them for that got me into the band. But if I'm a huge fan, I also want to see a few of the more the more obscure stuff, which is you know, which is which is always great for the long. Although time I will fan. say, yeah, too. I I yes. just saw LCD Sound System uh, a few weeks ago, and they gave every indication that they were not going to be playing all my friends. And like they, they sort of like half kind of walked off stage at the end of their encore. And I'm like, respect. And then they kind of just like, (laughs) and you know, I'm like, man, it kind of sucks that I'm not going to hear their biggest song. And I mean, I understand that there is a, a Canyon of difference between them and Bruce uh, but still, like, you're not going to play your biggest song ever. And they kind of half walk off after the encore. It's like, yeah, don't do it, guys. Like, I kind of, I kind yeah. of like bought in, you know, to that. Uh, and then they, you know, sort of did a quick about face, like, oh, no, no, we're going to do it. Uh, and it was, and it was here's a question awesome, someone, but it was just kind of like for that split second, um, you know, I, I was, I was okay with it. Well, related question. Sure. As, as the non, you know, I, I do not do much set lusting. Yes. Um, in general. So, uh, does Bruce play dancing in the dark often? Cause that's, that, that's, I think his biggest hit, right? Like yeah. as far as charts go. So yes. And, um, so he doesn't play Glory Days as much. Oh, um, that might be bigger than Dancing in the yeah, Dark. Yeah, but he does. So, um, you know, this has started to be, and it's, you know, for years, um, you know, people start bringing signs to Bruce shows, requesting, mm-hmm. you know, songs. And he went through a whole stage, uh, especially in the 2009, 2012 tours where stump the band, where they would just pick r- random signs and would play stuff. But um, there's always people. Can I dance with the boss? And he always brings someone up on stage during dancing in the dark. Sometimes it's a grandmother. Sometimes it's a little kid. Um, you know, f- the Philly Elvis, uh, the, there, there's a, a, you know, a guy that was in an Elvis costume and Bruce got him on stage once and Bruce called him the Philly Elvis. And so now Nick has embraced that as you would, right? Like, Hey, yeah, he, Bruce called me the Philly Elvis. I'm going to embrace it. You know, he had a sign. Can I dance with Susie or can I dance with Patty? And so he plays that almost every show. 
And I always feel bad for Jake, who is Clarence Clemens' nephew, in case you two aren't aware. And he took he took Clarence's place in the E Street Band. And um, while Bruce is picking someone, um, you know, it's the saxophone solo in Dancing in the Dark. And so he plays that while Bruce figures out who he's going to bring. Then he brings them in. They dance and they let him go. And I always think Jake's going, okay, Bruce, pick a little faster. I'm like kind of tired of playing now. But yes, he usually does. And by the way, I love you guys comment. Um, you know, Dancing in the Dark is, the, it's a very pop song. But um, when you break the song down, it's a very good song. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I've also covered that one. Yeah. Uh, we did not do it as well as we did Born to Run. Yeah. Well, and I don't know if you've like the Music Cares DVD or the concert, you know, John Legend did it on a piano. And, uh, you know, as Bruce said, he made me sound like Gershwin, which is not a bad thing. Um, so, yeah, that's good. Well, so the question comes up. Have you guys seen Bruce perform nope. live? I don't have that kind of time. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, no, I haven't, and it's not for lack of wanting to. It's it's because uh, I don't like going to shows at large venues. Okay, I get super bored not being next to the music, and I think that's a fair as you know. I think that's a fair point. Um, the I Dallas does not have as strong. Uh, of music scene as some places, but um, you know, we used to go hear Sarah Hickman, who was a singer songwriter, brave combo, which is the rock and roll polka band out of Denton, Texas. Um, you know, poor David's pub is this absolutely wonderful music venue. Um, you know, so we would go, especially when, before we had the kid and then, you know, we, our babysitting would always to go see these shows. And I always joke that, you know, when I went and saw Billy Joel, he didn't thank me after the show. Hey, thanks for coming out versus, you know, these other bands you go see, um, you know, like um, Edie Brickell and the 10 and the, you know, the new, the new and the, yeah, thank Yeah. Yes. You know, like, you know, she, you know, the Edie Brickell wouldn't, but members of the band would come afterwards and go, hey, thanks for coming out. And and it was a really cool scene. So I could see why you know, you're spoiled. I don't want to go through and it is a long darn show. Yeah. And I, and this is to say that I haven't even seen one of my favorite bands of all time, which is Pearl Jam, which is, you know, a band that I could probably do a little bit more like all of the in-depth stuff, the way that I'm sure you do a lot with Bruce. Yeah. Uh, I've only ever seen them once because uh, I saw them once and I was really far away and I was like, okay, I saw them once. I don't, you know, I, I, I didn't love it. I was like, this is okay. Like my favorite concerts are always the ones where I can see the musicians on stage and it feels visceral. Yes, absolutely. Now um, the um, a-hole in me will say <laughs> till you see Bruce, you don't get it. But I think that's kind of a cliche and, and that's mm -hmm. that's not true. I I do feel that um, 
there are two kinds of people, the people that go see Bruce and go, wow, that was a long show. And the other people that go, oh my goodness, I want to go and see him every chance I get. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there is that, um, energy and the, you know, it is kind of amazing. A guy in his sixties, uh, you know, playing three and a half, four hours. So, but you mentioned Pearl Jam. And so that was my next question is what, one of you, and I apologize, I didn't make notes, but one of you said, I don't wake up in the morning going, gosh, I really feel like listening to Bruce or, you know, and both said I could go a span of time without that hearing was, him. Those were, both me? <laughs> those were both yeah. me. <laughs> okay. So what are musicians that you couldn't go for a while listening to, or is there a favorite musician that is default? Like when you're, <laughs> I'm lucky, you know, someone says, if you could only pick one person's music, uh, you know, for you're going to be in a desert island, you can bring one music's catalog. Well, I'd be very tempted with Brian Wilson, but I would pick, you know, Bruce uh, because mm -hmm. all my um, not to get morbid. But um, last year I was diagnosed with colon cancer, had to go through eight rounds of chemo. I'm fine now, but I made an F cancer playlist that was very heavy Bruce and with some, you know, Brian Wilson and uh, threw in some Brad Paisley, uh, you know, and Bobby Darren, all B's. I just, you know, you could not, you, you couldn't be on my uh, playlist without a B. No, I'm kidding. Um, so, so that's why, so that's, is why there an uh, that's why Bill and Brian are that's on why the show you, today. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. You guys uh, made so the cut. My question is now, obviously, we're very happy that uh, you're in remission, but what's the appropriate response here? Is it congratulations? Is it well done? Like, what do we say? You know, I, I, it's, it's, <laughs> I don't know. And just on a side note, um, Brian and Bill, um, during the chemos, I had them every three weeks. Um, so I, I went back to work after uh, my second one. And so, and, you know, you you know, if you, if you have a regular job and, you know, you run into people all the time and go, Hey, how you doing? And I'm always, I was always worried that I would confuse the, Hey, how you doing to how you doing, Jesse, you, you know, know? Like, how, how are and, you like, Hey, how are you? Or yes. like, Hey, how, how are yeah. you? Yes. And so I always would kind of tell that story and they'd laugh. They go, no, no, no. I really meant the second one. I did want to know how you are, but mm -hmm. I was just always worried about the poor guy or gal that was just making polite, com you know, polite banter, or getting a cup of coffee. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden I'm talking about, yeah, I'm kind of nauseous. And I'm like, I'm like I don't care, you know? <laughs> so, um, the the correct answer is, you know, just, hey, glad to hear it, and we move on. So no big deal. Okay. But thank you, guys. I appreciate well, that. Well, we're glad to hear it, um, Jesse. Yeah, well, thank you. That's, yeah, it was, uh, it, it, I tell you what, um, it is a cliche, but there really is. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I read a lot. But in the hospital when I was depressed and when I got my chemo treatments, it was nothing but music. Um, I, you know, I didn't read, I didn't listen to podcasts. I just put my earbuds in, I hit play on my phone and I had just hours of songs and just would listen to them. And, and not always a playlist like, um, Glenn Campbell audios, he put out oh, yeah. an album 
Yeah. And, you know, and I, I listened to it and I, I listened to Jason Isbell's, you know, latest album. And, you know, I, I listened to different music just to take my mind away from what was going on. And it's, it's, it really is magic. It is just something special in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So I got question, it way too deep. So the question is, who, <laughs> who are your, okay. So if one of you got cancer, what, what music would you listen to? No, no, no. Is there an artist that you do that is on your, you, you go to all the time? Like when you're ready to celebrate or when you're ready to happy or, or do you guys, cause it sounds like both of you have a very diverse um, musical base and I admire that. Um, how about it? Um, I, you know, I mean, yeah, there's a, uh, like there is a sort of musical baseline. I, I tend to kind of binge, uh, unlike Bill, I do kind of go down the rabbit hole and I spend an entire month listening to just nothing but one artist. Um, I've gotten more efficient. Like I've gotten that month down to like a week where I could, pretty effectively process an, an artist's entire catalog uh, and decide whether or not it's worth going back to. So like, I don't know, it would just be whatever I was in the mood for, you know, like if I was in the mood for smashing pumpkins, then that'd be what I'd be listening to, you know, week one. And then like, I, you know, like, I don't know if you're going to catch me today. Um, I went and I saw like cymbals eat guitars a couple weeks ago. And then, so I've been just, just absorbing their four albums. Um, but that's going to totally change in like another two weeks. Uh, Cause Bill and I are going to do the clash on the podcast. And then I'm going to finally <laughs> submit myself to their impenetrable catalog. And then I'm not going to listen to anything else for like a month. Um, so with me, it just depends on, you know, it depends on when you, when you get me, but I guess if you're looking for the default to edit everything I just said out, uh, my default answer would probably be like pet sounds. Um, boy, that boy talk about the right answer. Um, <laughs> that is, um, that is an album that never disappoints Correct. me. Um, and it is an album that I, um, you know, I, I've had people on and we discussed it, you know, song by song. Um, we have, it is, I, I don't think it's a perfect album, but it's, it's the Mary Poppins of albums, practically perfect in every way. Um, I just you love know, it's, that. Album. It's like an easy answer. Um, but I guess, you know, it's, it's an easy answer to a very hard question. Uh, Cause even now yes. that I think of it too, it's like, so you have one album, but then like, you know, Bill and I like just by function of playing music and stuff, like, like we've had guests on our show, like local musicians that have fantastic records that like, you know, I don't ever mm -hmm. get to hear that stuff again. Like. You know, so that's that's why, like, yeah, Pet Sounds, I guess, is is the sort of default answer, but it's it's so much bigger than that. Absolutely. So, Bill, how about you? 
I do not have a good answer like Brian. Um, Brian did have a good answer. He kind of of screwed it for the rest of us. Like, oh, way to go, Brian. Way to raise the bar. Yeah, no, I'm the official, Uh, like, interview (laughs) messer-upper. Which is why Bill usually does these by Uh, himself. (laughs) I've only done a couple without you. Um, I'm honored uh, both of you joined me. Well, uh, I, I'm honored as yeah, well likewise. just to be here. So uh, my go-to answer for this is always that it, it's so hard. Like, I can't just say one. And I always hate defining myself by one thing as well. Because, uh, you know, it's like I, I I dropped Pearl Jam before as one of my all-time favorite artists. But I like saying, you know, I love Pearl Jam, but I don't love grunge music. You know, I just because I like Pearl Jam doesn't mean that I I love Nirvana, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, right. and all the other Seattle bands the same way. I don't. Um, I I enjoy them, but I don't love them the same way. So uh, my go to is always to just kind of like say the albums that had a huge effect in me uh, at the time in chronological order, and they will always mean something very important to me, um, and that I view as my own if that makes sense, because there's a lot of really great stuff out there that is not necessarily mine. Kind of like how Born to Run became mine when it became like an important thing with with my band. Um, uh, But, you know, like I'm sitting looking in front of me like an album I love is Led Zeppelin's Houses of the Holy. I'm just saying that because it's right there in front of me. Uh, But I don't consider that belonging to me. so, you know, I, I just kind of go just to rattle them off real quick from this is starting at like the age of 11 and going up into my late 20s um, is is Google Dolls, A Boy Named Goo, Pearl Jam's Vitology, Weezer's Pinkerton, um, Guster's Lost and Gone Forever. Uh, I, uh, um, I'm trying to think what what's next here. I, I don't want to miss anything. Um uh, the Wrens, the Meadowlands, which is a great band from New Jersey for anyone who doesn't know. Um, and Brian introduced me to them, gave me that album, and it's it's one of my all time favorites. Live twice. Uh, yeah, uh, the Hold Steady, Boys and Girls in America, as Brian dropped before. Um, and uh, and let me think. Hold on. Uh, 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 the National High Violet. And probably a couple of like um, honorable mentions are going to be like Ben Folds Five. Uh, hold on, there's a few more in there. <laughs> um, uh, um, uh, Jimmy World, Bleed American, um, uh, and and yeah, I, I know there's a couple that I'm missing right now of of honorable mentions of stuff that I really really love. But yeah, that that's kind of a good sampling of kind of the the stuff that that's really really important to me. Okay, thanks. All right. Oh, so, Wilco, Yankee yeah, Hotel Fox. Okay. Um, I gosh, we've already gone 50 minutes. I'm hope I'm not taking we're, you guys we're, too we're, long. I, oh no, our podcasts are two hours. Okay, well then, quite perfect. Brunch here. <laughs> All right. Uh, talk to me about the podcast then. Tell me, um, you know, why did you guys decide to do it? And, and you know, what is is it? I, obviously, you're proud of it. But, you know, what maybe 
tell you know for people who haven't listened to it yet and we're hoping they're going to check it out talk a little bit about you know besides picking an album and discussing it tell me how you started what were you hoping to do william uh uh, I guess it starts with me because it was kind of my my idea, uh, and I've told this story before. But I I, I love podcasts um, for many years, and I started a podcast when I first started listening to them, like in 2011. That failed miserably very quickly, and I think a lot of podcasters have a similar story. Uh, and then a few years later, I was I was just kind of waiting for the the good idea to happen of what the pod, the next thing was going to be. And, uh, and, and I was listening to, uh, there's a podcast, you talking, you two to me, um, with Scott Aukerman and Adam Scott, where they, they just talk about you two. Uh, but they were going through the career of U2 basically album by album. And they're comedians, so they were doing a lot of tangents and a lot of jokes. Uh, but the thing that really intrigued me when I was listening was listening to them talk about how they got into the 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 music, you know, where they were when they first heard it. And then their thoughts on like the deep tracks on the albums. I was like, wow. And they weren't being funny. Those were the moments that they were being really, really honest. And because nobody else had any other thoughts, you know, like it wasn't a public thing. Their feelings on those deep tracks and those and their feelings of when they first heard the music that wasn't a public thing. There were no jokes to be made. So they just said it and they were being super duper honest. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really good right there. And I was like, that would make a really good podcast. Just getting people talking about their feelings and thoughts when they, their, their lives, when they first heard music that they loved and then doing track by track reviews where you get to those deep cuts that, you know, that people don't really know when you find like this special nugget of information that no one would have ever done, you know, like in, in just like a Rolling Stone review or something like that. Uh, so, so I was like, that's, that's a good idea for a podcast. And Brian and I have been friends since college. Um, so we're talking about like 2002 since 2002. And uh, we've, we've played music together many times over the years. And we used to just spend our evenings in the dorm just sitting there like putting albums on and talking about music. And I was like, he's the guy, he's the guy that I, I could have this conversation with week in and week out. So I asked him to do it. He said, yes. And it's been like three and a half years later that we've been doing this. And, uh, and it's been awesome. Brian, do you have any insights that I missed? <clears throat> oh man. Sorry. Um, no, I, yeah, I think you covered it quite well. Okay. Anything else you, you wanted to know about the podcast? Yeah, I have a few questions, actually, Bill. You know, what's funny is I'm going, th- I'm on your iTunes page and I'm, you know, clicking download, download, download. Um, <laughs> I'm like, um, oh, we've done, uh, we've done the, the two Borns as far as Bruce goes. We did uh, uh, Born to Run very early in the podcast, but it was still, I, I feel like it was a good conversation if memory serves correct. We, we were still getting our feet under us, but it was one of the first times that we had someone we didn't really know coming in as a guest, which was pretty was cool. Um, and, and that was a Christian, Christian somebody here. 
Christian Madeira, yeah. um, now Kelly Madeira, uh, since he since he got married and 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 they combine names. But he is a uh, writer, director, and producer of a podcast oh, called yeah. The Once and Future Nerd, which is a really cool, uh, which is a really cool um, uh, audio drama um, that that if you like fantasy and stuff and a little bit of comedy and a little bit of social commentary, uh, I highly recommend checking out. Um, and then we also did uh, Born in the USA. Uh, last year, I guess. Yeah, and uh, I'm just looking. You did a trilogy of um, Beach Boys Till I Die, Pet Sounds, and Beach Boys Forever. Um, you know, I'm so I'm just. Uh, you may have got the, you like if you look under your statistics, like man, all of a sudden we're getting all these downloads from Texas. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is yeah, great. How do you guys pick what you're going to talk it's about? It's all up to the guest. Yeah, uh, we, we kind of just find people, you know, occasionally Brian and I will do just an episode by ourselves, but uh, we book guests and we ask them for a list of about 10 albums because that's what we found is kind of the magic number of finding something that the guest loves and Brian and I feel like talking about too. Um, it sounds kind of planned out, like, you know, we know what's going to happen, but really it's it's by the seat of our pants. We just kind of go like, yeah, it just feels right, whatever it is, you know, whatever we see on the list. And we're like, that that's the one that feels right. And uh, and then and then a few weeks later, we talk about it. Very cool. Um, so not to name names, but uh, have you had guests that didn't work out? What, just like bad <laughs> guests, just like crummy um, guests or just? Yeah, or um, I guess a couple of other things. You know, I've early in my uh, podcast life on this one, um, I had a guest and um, I'm like, so do you have any Bruce Springsteen songs that mean a lot to you? Oh, I sure do. And end of end of sentence. Yes. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I, I was so this was like one of my first few podcasts so i didn't have enough you know i didn't talk about them before mm. and like hey it's really important for you to give a little more and um so I, you know and i was like so what are they you know and it, it, i really felt like i was pulling teeth and and so i just i don't know if you not to name names do you have any stories like that none that are outright awful no one was awful um some were, were a little like that, you know, you kind of had to hold their hand a little and guide them through the conversation and lead them towards something uh, that connected with them. But I found that if we keep, you know, hammering it, eventually you get someone talking about music they love and it, and it starts to flow. The hardest. Yeah. The okay, hardest I think I've found or that we have found is, um, you know, when we just say yes to when we say yes to a guest um, and they end up only giving us like we, you know, we tell everybody basically the same thing. Uh, was, you know, give us about 10 albums and, you know, about 10, basically like eight to 12 kind of is, is what I think about when I say about 10. And they give us like one. And we yeah. kind of, <laughs> I they come back and they're like, oh, have you done this one yet? I just I want to talk about I this really one. want to talk about Hotel California. Like, you know, we'll kind of go back to one another and be like, well, we've never done it. Uh, you know, all right, maybe we'll give it a shot. Yeah, let's do it. That's really funny that you say Hotel California, too, because I, I feel like uh, the Eagles are, are the one band oh, that we will California, never do. Man. Okay. Uh, 
I mean, I don't like the Eagles as much as the next person. Um, <laughs> They're the one band that we, we try to remain positive on the podcast. Okay. And it's always about being fans. And they're kind of the one band that I allow myself to kind it's of like, rib a little bit. If we had one like, really good, good, would you do the Eagles if we had like a really good guest who wanted to come in and just say, hey, let's do Hotel California? Which is, by the way, like, yeah, oh, it's definitely their best album. Like, it's their most mm-hmm. listenable. Um, and yeah. it's, and it's because it's it's like so, rumors. Like, you know all the songs. Like, there's only eight songs on it. You know, right. like seven of them. So when um, going to high school in the seventies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Eagles were a big player, um, and there was this kind of unspoken you're either a Fleetwood Mac guy or an Eagles guy, you know, mm. and, and I was an Eagles guy. Um, but and I think I'm a Fleetwood Mac guy. Yeah. And, um, and I, I, I do think it's funny, you know, the dude and, you know, um, talking about, uh, the Eagles uh, suck, uh, you know, and, and, you know, and so I, I get that. I know, but and this is just my opinion. Yeah. I do not think that they are awful for other people. I think that they they just whatever they do does not connect with me in any way whatsoever. Uh, so and that's just me. That's just me. Well, so I, I I get that because and every time I bring this up, I get people explaining to me, you know, it's the kind of I don't like fruitcake. Well, that's because you've never had good fruitcake, you know. <laughs> so um, good I am not a huge fan of. Yeah, I am not a big fan of Jungle Land. I, okay. I I appreciate the fact that you know you've got the beautiful Clarence solo. I understand mm-hmm. this epic tale and it's set in the night, but it, it's just it doesn't speak to me emotionally. It's um it you know and so I just don't get why oh he's doing Jungle Land he's doing Jungle Land I'm like. Oh yeah, I guess, you know, that's, it's okay. And so I get that because, you know, everyone has a different song that, um, you get and I, I get not getting the Eagles or, you know, well, um, I know I have a couple of friends who acknowledge the Beatles greatness, but they just, you know, they don't speak to them. They don't like their music. Um, so yeah, I, I'm okay with that. Um, it is funny though, that, um, I know that, um, if I ever get invited that I, I won't include hotel California, in my list, my, my worry would be, um, okay, can I pick 10 cool enough albums, uh, that you guys would be like, Oh man, why did we invite this guy? Well, here's the thing. Uh, we have never gotten a list that we didn't want anything off of. I don't think. Okay. And it doesn't have to be cool. Um, it, it just has to be interesting and, and good. And the thing that makes it good is someone's love for it, you know, or the thing that makes it great. Cause a lot of people say, they ask us what makes it a great album. And to me, it's just someone's love for it. It doesn't have to be a, a canonized album. You know what I mean? Yes. Like the, the, these, these great classic, amazing albums that are, that are on, you know, the bill, 
the the billboard or the rolling stone top 500 or you know like uh the vh1 best rock albums of all time list that they did you know like back in the early 2000s late 90s whenever that was it doesn't have to be on that list um I'm trying to think of some stuff that we have done that's not on that kind of stuff, but but especially albums from the last like 15 years, uh, like punk bands and stuff like that, stuff that is more underground that people don't really know as well. Or And it doesn't even have to be critically acclaimed. We've done a couple that like critics don't enjoy necessarily. Like they're like, it's good, but you know, uh, there's just, it, it has to just be, you have to really love it and be passionate about it. And that's what's important. Yeah. Um, one of the things that led me to doing this podcast is um, on our network, there was an 80s reboot overdrive podcast, and they just covered different things of the 80s. And the guy who hosted it reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to join me? We're going to pick our top three, our three favorite albums of the 80s. And I said that, um, okay. And then of course me being me, I made rules, right? Like you couldn't pick a multiple album from the same artist. You had to pick different artists. And, and I also picked on, these are albums that I've are not necessarily albums that, um, are critically claimed. These are albums that I routinely will pull the CD or the digital version and listen to it again. And, and as I was looking, I realized, wow, if I hadn't made that rule, Bruce released four albums during the eighties, you know, and it, so you could have just done, you know, a Bruce uh, selection. And um, I ended up picking John Hyatt's bring the family, Brian Wilson's first solo album, and then uh, tunnel of love from Springsteen. Uh, because those are three albums that I continually um, keep on rotation. Uh, and and I'm not saying they're great albums, and I'm not saying, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways, you know, Brian's solo album could be overproduced and such, but it's an album that brought me happiness when it came out, and I tend to keep playing that. Then those are great albums, you know? It, yeah. It, and you don't, I, I don't like to... Um, well, no, I do like to canonize things sure. and I love the idea of the canon, but at the same time, uh, I, I feel that we need to continue to discuss and reinvent the canon and without people stepping outside the accepted, you know, favorites of saying tunnel of love over, uh, born in the USA, you know, it's like, okay, good. We need people to reevaluate yeah. these kinds of things. Uh, cause otherwise we're only going to have the same couple dozen albums that everybody, you know, lionizes. And it's like, no, we need, we need stuff that, uh, that, that, that is changing and we need new voices because, you know, in 50 years, all the voices from 50 years ago are going to be dead. So nobody's going to care what they had to say anymore. <laughs> right. I absolutely agree. And I, I think that's an interesting discussion to have and, and to have someone share. And one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast is, and I do what I call B side episodes where I will have someone who's passionate about Pearl Jan or, um, you know, Hall and Oates, uh, 
Um, you know, I had, I forgot the replacements. Yeah. Oh my God. And (laughs) that's the big one that I've got. The replacements, let it be. Sorry. Yeah, no. And so, you know, we'll, I'll come in and have them share their passions. We had a great guest who just was, uh, Kate Bush was uh, adored her music and she shared and, and the idea is you're passionate about it. it. And, and if it, fits a need for you and if it, it it brings you happiness and joy you know it's all great music uh so yeah this is great um any final thoughts before we wrap it up though i, I now feel like we've done a mini episode after you guys have thrown down your 12 pounder hey we do two hour episodes <laughs> uh well uh it kind of just ends up being that way because we spend you know 20 minutes just kind of talking about you know, getting to know the guests and sure. talk about the album in general and how they got into it. And then once we get into that track by track review, it's that's when things, you know, it's even if you spend five minutes on each on each song yeah. and that's uh, and it's a 12 track album, that's an hour right there. So, you know, we, we kind of screwed ourselves with that. No, it's I, like I it, think we have no choice but to go for two hours. No, most I, of the time. I think that's a great idea. Uh, we've been um, I'm. I've had guests join me and we're going to try to make it through every one of Springsteen's albums. And we're ranking each song on the album from worst to first. Um, and, and then, and we do kind of back and forth like, okay, what was your number 12? Well, here's my number 12. And we back and forth and the diversity is pretty strange. And then, um, you know, I'll, I'll have a guy tell a story. I'm like, okay, I now would bring this song higher because of your story. So, um, all right, exactly. Bill, Brian, this has been a blast. Um, as I said, final thoughts, anything you want to share? And, you know, I, I will say this in regard, you know, taking this back to the fact that this is a Bruce Springsteen podcast. Um, you know, I, I will say this to Bruce's credit. He still makes himself reasonably accessible to like, you know, for lack of a better term, normal people like, you know, like us just, you know, kind of the regular, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the dregs, (laughs) um, because there's, um, you know, his, where he sort of got his start, like Asbury park is, uh, is kind of a thriving, you know, a still thriving, or I should say once again, thriving music scene uh which he semi-regularly still kind of shows up to like he'll go to like the light of day uh you know charity uh one of the light of day like charity shows or he'll show up at um his photographer danny clinch has a gallery uh in asbury park that hosts music each week and bruce has just kind of shown up there uh and doesn't like pick up a guitar and take over. Like he just watches. Uh, and I think that's kind of neat. Like, because what it does um, is it kind of gives you the idea or, you know, if you're a musician there, you know, kind of just grinding it out, it gives you the perception that to get to that level isn't as far off as you think it is. Uh, and I think that more than just, you know, slapping his name on a, the side of a building uh, or something like that, or, you know, putting his name on like a library or donating some money. I think that more than most other actions really, 
uh, helps a community out, like a community, you know, like a local arts sort of community to say, well, you know, hey, like he's still coming around, checking out shows, checking out local shows uh, every so often, you know, when he's able to. So I'll, I'll say that to his credit. Uh, I, I think that's a really cool thing. And that's something that a lot of other legacy artists like him could stand to uh, learn from, in my opinion. Um, in the South, we have this, one of the worst insults is he forgot where he came from. And um, it it appears, at least from the outside, Bruce hasn't forgotten where he came from. Well, and I, you know, I, I, there has been a lot, there is a small fraction of Bruce fans that are very unhappy. He's doing this Broadway show and they say he's, you know, he used to sing about fat cat bankers and now he's performing for them. Uh, My answer, and of course I'm biased. I'm like, okay, the guy's 67. He has a creative itch. He wants to be on Broadway. He, he has that story to tell. Um, you know, the guys earn the right to and do he it. He also he hasn't to. worked like a normal and, job since he was 19. So it's really just his whole right. thing that that's just part of his act. Really? You know, Bruce as like the working man has been performance art for 40 odd years now. So, I mean, also it just would be next to impossible for him to just like go to a cafe in Asbury pick up a guitar and play in a corner. Well, like he's he done do that at his but, level. Right. He had like, this is his only option for that. And the other thing we talked about is I, I firmly believe that if you raised, um, with the kind of poverty that he had, I don't think you forget that. And I also think that, um, our artists have historically, you know, put themselves in the position of speaking for, um, you know, the underdogs or common man. And um, so, you know, and trying to make a difference. So, yeah, I mean, and the other point is I, you can't, you can't water the pool if the going rate for a high end Broadway show or tickets for seven or $800, that's the going rate. And um so good for him that he's making two and a half million dollars a week. <laughs> uh, so my final thought, I wanted to piggyback a little bit on what Brian said about the local community and uh, how he's still a part of it. And um, that's one thing we haven't really touched on is the fact that, uh, well, you know, we're in New Jersey and we frequent Asbury Park, you know, like that's where we go to see shows. Right. Um, and I, I grew up about 45 minutes south of Asbury, like a 45 minute drive south of Asbury Park. I didn't go there as a kid, but as a teenager, when I had a license, I started going there, uh, started going to some of the clubs and stuff like the Stone Pony and other places that you guys have heard of, I'm sure. Um, there is a kinship and that's something that I've grown to appreciate in his music. And, and, and it definitely has a feeling of home to it in that you know he sings about highway nine and the house that i grew up in was less than a mile from route nine wow you know it's like i because route nine runs up the entire up up and down the entire state so you know it's i i i grew up on route nine uh when when he talks about like the boardwalk and you know those summer nights 
uh, in like Sandy, uh, I'm sitting there going like, yeah, like that's, you know, even though it was, you know, 30 years later that I was a kid growing up, uh, we, it, trust me, it, it's, if you went to Asbury park in 1968, uh, and then you went to point the point pleasant boardwalk, uh, last summer, um, from, you know, as you drive up to it or you're walking up from the outside, you know, like the sun's going down there, there's kind of, uh, some thunderclouds off the coast and the, the lights are, it's the, those same big bulbs is what they use on everything. You know, it's not LEDs, um, maybe on some stuff, but like on the arcades and on the Ferris wheel and stuff like that, it's those same lights that get lit up and it has that same romantic sublime feeling and uh and you know and that's that's what it felt like when i was a kid um and that's what he sings about and that's even though i didn't listen to those songs when i was a kid uh when i listened to them as an adult i'm like yeah that's still that still felt the same way for me growing up too so uh that's what new jersey can be to people yeah. and uh and he nails it yeah and i do think it's kind of interesting that you know he's 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 come back home, you know, and he's lived there. He's made his, you know, his home there. He's raised the kids there. Uh, so pretty interesting. Um, Brian, Bill, I, I hope you guys have had as much fun as I have. This has yeah, been yeah, a great conversation. Okay. So tell people how they can reach you. Thegreatalbums.com. That's the easiest way to find us. Uh, also go to thepaperjets.com. <laughs> Listen to some of Brian's music. Um, and you know, that's the portal to everything. You can find the podcast on all listening, you know, podcast things. It's everywhere. So just search for the great albums and you'll find it. Uh, can I just throw out like one more, like Jesse, thanks so much for having us on the podcast. Oh, absolutely. I'll have in the show notes, uh, the link to your website. Um, as I said, I, I'm going through and I'm already looking like, Oh, I'd like to see this and see this looks like you do deep dives. You also do shorter episodes where you just break down one song. Yeah. Those really turned into, they started off as us going like, yeah, we'll just do one song. Uh, and they ended up turning into more of us reading listener emails. Okay. So as of this year, we're stopping those episodes. We are no longer doing the bonus song episodes. And instead we're going to do like mailbag episodes every few weeks. Nice. Please go to the great albums podcast uh, on iTunes and rate and review them. I know they will appreciate it Uh, while you're there. Uh, go to set lusting Bruce and uh, do that. You know, guys, this was a blast. I, I hope you, like I said, I, I, I had so much fun and I appreciate you taking time. Um, like I said, you got, you guys are real podcasters. I'm just uh, this guy talking Bruce. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It seems like you, you've been doing this quite a while yourself. Yeah. So I feel like we're all real podcasters. Well, there you go. Uh, well, I appreciate it. We just want to thank you guys. Uh, check out their podcast, please, please. Uh, keep uh, feedback coming to us and them. And uh, for now, um, we're going to say keep hope alive and wish everyone a great night. All right. Good night, guys. Good night, everybody.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 